it's just unfortunate circumstances. But I think Stonywood are a battling club. They'll always produce good youngsters. And geez, we need clubs like Stonywood. Mr. McSimchick, episode 44 of Halfway Up Middle, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, Liam. Not too bad at all. Um, 44, that's getting far beyond your highest ever score, is it not? Mm, I'll have you know I scored 80-odd once upon a time, mate. Uh, you were, you were at the gym. You were at the gym this evening. Healthy oh. body, healthy mind, is it? Do you know what? I wasn't even at the gym in the end. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Absolutely shocking. Um I uh, I got home from work um, and uh, booked uh, booked a, booked an October holiday, and then um, went to the supermarket and realised I'd run out of time to go to the gym because I'd agreed a rendezvous with you at uh, a later hour, so I couldn't couldn't even go to the gym. So no yeah. healthy body, no healthy mind. But two important things to talk about there. Number one, sounds like you've got a job. Got a job, Liam. Yeah, absolutely. Started a few weeks ago, so that's really good. Fist pumps all around for that. Um, and yeah, booking a holiday to the um, cricketing hotbed that is Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're going to catch some uh, European Cricket League out in Istanbul. Ideally, I'm sure it's brought. I'm sure it's broadcast live ah. over there. So fingers crossed, I'll get to watch that. Useful though, mate. Catching some. Uh... Not winter sun, I suppose, autumnal sun. Um, Absolutely. Just a cheeky week, mate? Yeah, cheeky week, albeit we've got pretty good autumnal sun right now, don't we? Oh, mate, how good is this week? It's been unbelievable. Perfect for cricket. Yeah. Shame there isn't any left. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, Pierre, we'll get on to uh, cricket and matters. So for the sports yeah. fans out there, we're going to just run through uh, the domestic action over the last few weeks, um, bring everyone up to speed on our winners and losers. Um, Pete, we'll get to your uh, commentary debut later, but um, have you seen much cricket other than Sunday? Um, I suppose I follow bits and pieces on various frog boxes and things like that, I suppose. Um Watched a little bit of the cup finals, um, but uh, I, I've been playing a little bit myself, just uh, MCC stuff. I know you've been playing an awful lot, Liam, just cramming in a little bit of August cricket. But um, yeah, just sort of paying attention to the kind of, ra- I mean, probably more following stuff on the various apps that are available rather than going to many games, I think. Um, but I've Walks past Grange a few times. <laughs> That's about it. I don't know. How about you, mate? You what? So you, you mean to tell me you weren't at the the title party? You didn't get an invite. T- the title party at Portugal. I heard. Do you know? It's funny. I heard a story about that. There wasn't much of a party because there was no trophy that was given to them or anything like that uh, when they won the East Premier. Um, so they, it was, they were a bit deflated by that, but I, I suppose they made up for it the following week or however, how, you know, back on the Saturday yeah, there against yeah, that's, there. A, that's, a, that's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Um, 
But yeah, we'll touch on them just now anyway, why not? So mm-hmm. league winners uh, in the East Grange. Um, pretty comfortable, I would have said, throughout the season, always there or thereabouts. Had a few clutch kind of wins. Um, one that springs to the mind was was the Meagle game where they chased, was it 350-odd, I think? Um, and they had a few other games like that, which were which were big chases and showed strength and depth as well, I would say, Grange. Because um, obviously missing a few that would go on international duty. Budge wasn't there all year. Um, obviously, Seoul headed off to the Caribbean as well. So they've shown that they've had depth, which is not always the case uh, for Grange, but um, deserved winners, I think, in the end. Without a doubt, um, I think depth is the key uh, phrase. I I would agree there, Liam, because there's been times where you see it, it's so good. You know, every team's putting their team sheets out on social media, and you look at a Grange team some weeks, and you think, who who are they? I don't know half these guys. Um, I mean, more than half of the team sometimes, and and they've constantly got results. Um, there's always been a sort of smattering of of kind of mainstays and. Thing about Grange is that they've got fabulous facilities and yes, yeah, an expensive club to be a part of, but they're always going to attract people. They're always going to attract, I guess, that transient population of people coming and going from Edinburgh who maybe want to play cricket for half a summer and things like that. And I think what Grange uh, Grange's victory kind of highlights is that clubs are able to win leagues now. Um, with sort of 25 contributing players over the course of a season, there's almost two ways of winning it. There's a that, that way of winning a league when you maybe play 15 players and keep your core um, and Grange, or, or you just have 25 really good players and you can rotate them and bring them in and out and, and things like that. And I think for me, a few names that I want to highlight more so because of kind of where they are in their career. Uh, firstly, the captain, Tom Folds, who I know is moving to Australia very shortly speaking to a number of people um certainly younger lads at the Grange this year ones I've come across like Jack Jarvis uh, Ben Davidson Charlie Pete they've had nothing but high praise of, of of Tom Folds and that doesn't surprise me he's a wonderful guy um has been an absolute credit to to Grange Cricket Club probably for about a decade or so um he's re- you know I, th- I think he's really invested a lot in in that club and do you know the thing about a club like Grange is they can always rest on on their laurels, but it takes really good, almost volunteer type people to to make a club great. And and Tom's definitely got that attitude. Um, he certainly gets the most out of his game, um, and and putting some big performances this season as a captain, as a batsman, and as a bowler. And the other person, um, a legend of Scottish cricket, no doubt, is Gordon Gowdy. And I know that I, my understanding is that he's going to be retiring at the end of the season um, and a huge credit, you know, just in terms of everything he's done, not just for Grange, but for, for club cricket in Scotland in general and still putting, producing really big performances. The third one, as well as Ryan Flanagan, because I'm not hundred percent sure I heard rumor that he's maybe going to retire and things like that. Liam, I don't know if you've heard anything more about that, but again, he always used to get runs against us at Watsonians. I know that. I mean, it was an old club of his, and I, I admire the fact that he was a niggly cricketer uh, for a club like the Grange because it's very easy to just kind of take an aloof attitude. But do you know what? You always felt you're in a battle when you're playing against somebody like him. Um, and so credit to all three of those players. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that at all, Liam. 
No, I definitely echo all sentiments that you said there. Um, Tom Folds, yeah, really nice guy, uh, good cricketer, um, good hockey player um, as well. And uh, definitely has one of the most distinctive batting stances you're ever likely to see um, in, a, in a Scottish cricket setup. But yeah, he'll be missed there for sure. For sure, I yeah. loved bowling. I loved bowling to Tom Falls because he showed you all his stumps, didn't he? It was that—that <laughs> that was the thing. Um, yeah, he always thought of... you had a chance of bowling out, but no, he's exactly. very handy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Gouds and uh, Flanners, yeah, two two stalwarts of the game, two really good cricketers who've done who've done it all, really, haven't they? In terms of Scottish cricket and in terms of um, international honours. Um, both a little bit younger than me as well, so maybe 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 they can be talked into it next year when when the summer comes comes back around. But I'd say a lot of these decisions are made after long long um, set of months in the dirt, and you're coming to the end, and you're a bit creaky, and you fancy a rest. But maybe they could be talked back out come April May next year. But um, yeah. Two two real good lads actually as well and uh, Gaudio obviously you'll need to find something to do as weekends because you can't spend too much time following that football team of his I, I, I wouldn't waste my time with that but uh, yeah yeah would would uh, would agree with uh, everything you said Pete and do you know what they do have a brilliant setup a brilliant um, conveyor belt and they have shown that there is um, good players coming through. Another thing as well with the Grange, Pete, is they don't really rely on uh, an overseas either. Um, and and no. for as long as I can remember, they haven't either. Obviously, they've got you know Grivo there, who's you know your Scotland Scotland player, um, and Soli as well. So they're not sure of good players, but yeah, it's a great model to see and um, deserves victors in the league. Um, absolutely, and and the thing, sorry, I find myself saying absolutely all the time, but it is um, it, again using all those players would demonstrate the fact there are some youngsters coming through, and that doesn't surprise me. John Blaine coaching, um, and we've we've spoken about kind of the situation John's obviously in, um, but it, it, you can't you can't not credit him for the for the for the young players he's producing at that club. Um, and that, as you highlight, that conveyor belt, and they'll have to replace these big players if they don't come back, or if they come back in, in you know, for one or two games, as, as might well be the case. Maybe, mate. Uh, bottom of the bottom end of the the table, mate. It was it was a decider on the last game of the season um, up at People's Park on the runway, where uh, Dice were um, fortunately for them relegated um, on their own patch by Meagle, who kind of. Won that game quite comfortably in the end, won by over 100 runs and kind of put runs on the board and put pressure on dice and they just didn't have uh, any answers, I'm afraid. Pete, you obviously spent a season at dice. Um, sad to see them go down or someone's got to go down, I suppose. I was two, two, two seasons at dice, albeit a long, long time ago, probably before the internet or however long ago it was it was so long ago but uh, I, 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 do you know the thing about dice is there there's a they're a lovely club but for me and this is potentially quite speculative in my uh, uh, view as somebody from the, very much the outside looking in but um 
clubs, any club, whether it be a big club or a small club, as soon as there's kind of a bit of turmoil, um, it's never easy, regardless of where that happens in the club. It it was a bizarre situation seeing that their captain kind of left uh, partway through the season. That really surprised me. I don't know what happened there. That can't that can't be good for a a, a club like Dice that kind of relies on on the sum of its parts rather than on certain individuals. I know that a couple of years ago they had a player like Jamie King who seemed to be a a bit of a standout bowler, a guy who was playing regional cricket, and all of a sudden he's kind of disappeared from the from the club a little bit. He's featured, then he's not featured. I know David Kidd moved to London. You know, clubs like that they can't they can't afford to lose guys who are going to play fifteen to twenty games a season um, across all formats. And I know I've no doubt the thing about Dice is that they're a well-run club. They've got some really good people there. They'll be knocking on the door, much like our both have done. Um, but it, so it is sad, but it's unsurprising. Um, and and even I noticed the fact they're overseas left or one of their overseas left before the last game of the season. I know these things happen. But again, it it, it, sim- it kind of appears from the outside looking in that all was not well, and that's and that often, regardless of of how many good performers you've got, can it can impact uh, where you finish up at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think also the you can look at wider and kind of generally the northeast as well. It just doesn't seem to be attracting the same player or. What might that be, Pete? Maybe that the oil industry isn't quite as booming as it once was and it's not attracting that kind of transient player who would just arrive in the city from England or Australia, uh, South Africa, often is the case, and just end up pitching up at People's Park or Manifield and um, improving those teams. But um, I think you're right. I think you're right. There There seem to be discontent or something not quite right at Stonywood this season where players' availability hasn't been quite right. Players have come and gone. I think even back at the start, the overseas was supposed to be Gareth Walmurins, who was here for a few weeks and left. Don't know the reasons behind that. And then you're right, his brother Sean stepped up from the second team, played in the first team and had to leave early. I believe it was because he would be picked in some type of regional set up in South Africa um, I think he might still be even under 19's peak so I think it might yeah. it might have eventually be leading towards the national under 19's kind of selection process so but yeah you're right you need these guys to be there and I think in the reverse fixture at Meagle um, Wolverine's cleaned up and, and got rid of the top order more or less um, so yeah, it was unfortunate. I did see their president, Mark Lamley, um, commented and said that it might not be the worst thing for them to go down, rebuild and come back up, like you say, in a couple of seasons' time. Um, yeah. And, and he did, he did he also did. say as well that it's it's hard to compete against, I think the exact wording was, clubs from Edinburgh packed with professionals. But... Um, there is maybe Pete. There is maybe starting to see where there is almost like how. What would you say now, mate? A seven or certainly a six solid teams in that league, and then the relegation seems to be, you know, two it, or it, three at the bottom scrapping for it. It does seem that way, albeit it just goes to show. A couple of years ago, it was maybe five, and now it's down. Now it's up to seven. 
if you stick around for long enough, you can establish yourself. And um, certainly pre-COVID, Stonywood had a had a pretty stellar side. I thought just a really gutsy uh, United side. Um, but I think I think it's maybe worth a deep dive for us, Liam, over the winter, thinking about Northeast cricket because. I mean, Manafield, Aberdeenshire look like, I mean, they've certainly not competed this season. Whenever I look at the grade league, the grades leagues, I think that there's less and less teams all the time. I know that's probably, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's connected to the oil, oil industry. I think it's connected to the fact that um, Aberdeen Grammar was one of the few uh, state schools that would play cricket. And I don't believe they do, or they don't certainly don't play anywhere near as much um, as they did. Um, and I think I think it's a real worry um, when a, when a sort of big uh, hub of people and, and a, a location that used to have more cricket clubs than any city I believe in in the world per head of population, um, and and now it's it's uh, certainly dwindling, and it might be worth thinking about us us looking at things like that over the winter because uh, it, it's a real shame and. I, I think it's important these clubs don't get bitter about because I don't think there is clubs full of professionals in, in Edinburgh, in truth. Um, I, I don't think it's a wash with money or anything like that. Um, it's just unfortunate circumstances. But I think Stonywood are a battling club. They'll always produce good youngsters. And, geez, we need clubs like Stonywood Dice. They've produced Michael East, Gordon Gowdy, Kutzers, to name a few. Um, and, they've uh, you know, Ail Solista, um, uh, you know, Fiorca, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, leading cricketers of various generations. So we can't just let clubs like that die. We can't just go well. The northeast doesn't play cricket anymore, um, and 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 that's a really important thing to maybe see if things can be addressed over the next wee while. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, Peter. It is interesting what's going on there, but um, hopefully they will. Uh rise again anyway and get back up into the top league. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly them or Shire anyway. Some, somebody from Aberdeen needs to be up there uh, for sure. Um, so Pete, the other end, um, that left us with a playoff where Arbroath played, uh, so winners of the Strathmore Union, played the winners of the Eastern Prem, which was uh, Edinburgh South. Um, playoff at Falkland, mate. It looked like it was well attended from uh, the footage that I've seen, and our both come out pretty comfortable winners. Did you catch any of that on any of the live streams, I Peter? Th- had a look at the scorecard. I had a glance at the at the live stream um, on Saturday just to sort of see how things were going, um, and and I'll be honest, it did, the result didn't hugely surprise me. Um, I think our both from everything I've seen, and I'm sure Liam, you played against them, or, or you know, Strathy have been involved in the league with our both this season. They've seemed like a really consistent outfit. They've got uh, a very strong South African and uh, uh, overseas player, Myring, who I know, you know, he only got 28 in that final game, but he scored well over nine, is it 900 plus runs this season. So, uh, and together with, they've got some some fine players, players who are who are experienced Eastern Premier League players like Ross McLean, Mark Petrie, um, you know, uh, Ploma Sinclair, these sort of names, um, Carnegie, again, all of them um, are solid players who, if, if in truth, 
they didn't perform very well last year and that's why they've got relegated but what they've done is rectify it very quickly and get back up and um that's no disrespect to Edinburgh South um because Edinburgh South themselves um uh, they 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 brought in the former UAE international in Mufti to, uh, as a as an overseas this season who performed very well and you know I think in that final he, they've cleaned them up pretty quickly um have our both what what Edinburgh South have also done obviously they've got Kazim Sheikh they, they've also got a number of other players who performed quite well in that Eastern Eastern Championship over the years um as well and I think it's maybe just come a little bit early for them, Edinburgh South. They they only got promoted last season, um, and, and I'm sure they'll they'll be strong. But there's there's one or two names. There's about four names there, guys who played at Marchmont over the years, and uh, and it's not to say they these guys weren't weren't good players, but they weren't players who were necessarily out and out first team players at Marchmont maybe four years ago. And I'm sure they've improved. Um, the likes of Praffle Pan, Amit Pony. Um, Behind Sheikh, who'd been at the club a, a long time before that, um, but it, 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 so it, it's 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 good that maybe South are developing them and, and making them better cricketers. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that with the, with that unless they've improved vastly, that they're 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 not competing to get into the Premier League. In truth, yeah, but yeah. but they've all, they've had a good season, Edinburgh South. It's a oh, it's a remarkable it. achievement to go and Definitely. win that, uh, go and top that league. Um, <laughs> Especially if we're being honest, you know, there, there's been people chirping away at a club like that this season. And and look, I don't want to get back into that 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 debate again, but uh, but credit to them for rising above that in many ways and and performing on the pitch. I definitely, definitely Pete. like that was that would be an absolute monster achievement to come up two leagues and and get into the uh, Eastern Premier League. That would have been remarkable from uh, Edinburgh South. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much as described, Pete. Uh, the overseas players from Arbroath have a massive uh, effect on that game. Seven wickets at the top, seven for 49. Puts the game to bed, really. Um, after Arbroath set a relatively decent total, they did have a sticky spell through the game where they ended up losing wickets and clump clusters and dropping to 180 for nine um, before kind of late runs got them up to uh, 216, which is a pretty steady total really at Falkland, uh, where the wicket can do a little bit. Um, but yeah, comfortable win really for Arbroath by 99 runs, and that puts them back into the Premier League last for one more, uh, apologies, for next season. Um, I, I saw yeah. Mark Petrie posted as well after a long, long year that he's, he fancies one more shot at it next year, so... Good luck to Sparky behind the stumps. Um, and I think you're right, Pete. I think it will largely depend on who they bring in as their overseas next player as to where, where they'll finish in that league. Um, I know Jared, who's the lad that scored all the runs um, and took some wickets as well, to be fair, um, will be back. He's agreed to come back. But Keegan, who is probably the better of the two players, especially as a bowler, um, suffered with kind of a stress injury to his back. So he didn't really okay. play an awful lot. He only played like the first kind of quarter of the season fully fit and then he, he missed pretty much the rest. Played as a bat towards the end. Um, but a serious cricketer on his day. I don't know if you remember, but he took eight, eight for against Gerstorfen in the cup, including um, oh, team, 
Fooled some decent batters in there. So, yeah, proper player is Keegan. But, yeah, we'll see who Adbroke bring back next year. But um, a quick rebound and up back into the Premier League for them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Edinburgh South win that East League again next season. And um, one put, I, I mentioned him already, Prattle Pant, who opens the batting for Edinburgh South. Lovely guy. Um, got a lot of time for him. I always think it's a shame that he's not a marchman anymore, although I can't argue with anybody leaving marchman because I did that. But um, but I, he's the sort of guy who's got a good heart. He'll get he'll get a lot of runs, um, if, you know, with, with a good application and good coaching. So Edinburgh South seems to be a club on the rise and credit to the Morton, not pushed them all the way in that league as well. Um, and I know Linlithgow did as well. And it's good to see these smaller clubs um, sort of trying to build and trying to, to grow and 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 I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're playing off against the Stonywood or somebody like of that mm-hmm. nature next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you, you know, and I don't. I know you don't want to touch on it too much, but Strathy stayed up, and uh, and 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 that is that's wonderful to see as well, Liam, and a huge credit to yourself for for keeping the boys up this season. Um, I know there are a few dicey moments as well, so uh, I hope that Strathy can and the Strathmore Union and Strathy in particular. And continue to be a competitive league and a good league because uh, it, you know, it's got some great clubs in it. It is a good league, mate. And I'll tell you another thing, right? This goes out to all the captains out there. My uh, resting heart rate and blood pressure has dropped a fair few uh, percent in the last couple of uh, well, last week since cricket's finished. Just all the organising, all the texting and messaging and things to remember just disappears and it feels great. So uh, yeah. Well done, all the captains out there this year for uh, for keeping it going. <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful feeling, Liam. I, I'm two years removed from it, and I don't look back with any with any uh, any like disappointment that I don't don't play because I end up uh, captaining sides when I when I have done. And I got in, I'll tell you a quick story. I got involved in I really wanted to play five aside football uh, this start of this year. And um, I entered a group of mates of ours, Liam, into a, into an Edinburgh five-a-side league. And um, we started in January and a few of the games, we, you know, we, we were trying to organise the team because all of a sudden I was in charge of organising. And I had these flashbacks of, of, of cricket because it was just like people dropping out for the last minute, rubbish excuses, the opposition not turning up, the opposition moaning about the referee. And it was just like, I just had these sort of like, post-traumatic stress disorder or something like that. It was just horrific. So um, credit to all the captains, absolutely. Anybody who can captain a cricket club or or any sports team for more than a a few years is absolutely insane and definitely not got any hair left, I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, it's a thankless task, mate. Oh, my days. Anyway, let's switch over to the West, Pete, and we'll chat a little bit of the West. Obviously, both of us from the wrong side of the tracks, but we'll have a bash. So the league winners were air, a bit similar to our league winners in the East Peak. It looked looked um, looked like a strong runner throughout and um, finished well and top of the league with a game to spare. Uh, Michael English rallied his troops throughout and led from the front as well, mate. I don't know if you saw some of the stats, but geez, he uh, had another good year with a bat and with a ball, uh, much to Hoggy's disgust. Unbelievable, unbelievable from Michael English. 917 runs, batting average of 70. And then, I mean, it, that that is just 
unreal to be honest with you particularly <laughs> on and you don't want it you know, listen it's such a east coast snobbery to go oh the west wickets are rubbish because air's a cracking deck to be honest with you even even when it looked like a green top in the scottish cup final and i foolishly put harriet's into bat i should have should have backed it and knowing that it's a, it's a good tech deck to bat on but credit to him to get 900 plus runs that's absolutely outstanding 20 wickets as well at 13 that is a, a, unbelievable i always rated his bowling actually I remember him bowling for Fergus Lee a number of years ago, um, against <laughs> admittedly against Marchman at the Cup, but he looked brilliant that day. Um, and and yeah, I know a lot of talk is he should be knocking on the on the on the Scotland side and 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 all the rest of that. Um, but it, it just goes to show if you get some good people in the club and and good leaders, um, and obviously Air have not just got got the likes of Michael English, they've got. Hamza Tahir as well, um, Flack, a n- number of really good cricketers, a number of well-known cricketers in the West. They brought them together and and succeeded. So huge credit to Air. Um, I noticed that it, it, the great thing I always think about the West League is, is that a little bit more competitive? Teams beat each other quite a lot throughout the season. West of Scotland, I know, finished up uh, second in the league. You know, you've got Fergus Lee, are always a strong side fishing third. Stenhouse Muir. I, and there was somebody in particular at Stenhousemuir, and I don't. Um, was it Callum Grant? Yeah, yeah, thirty-seven yeah. wickets. Yeah, unreal. That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, just wanted to mention him as well. Yeah, mate. I actually because I'm uh, an absolute badger, do actually enjoy watching uh, quite a lot of all of the frog box stuff. Uh, certainly, all the like scorecards flick through. But Callum Grant was a cracking left arm round uh, spinner. And absolutely bites out and bowls folk uh, top it off all the time, um, or skids it through against the LBW. But yeah, looks a good player. I noticed he played some performance academy, eighteen stuff. I think he's made the cut to go to your favourite, the T10 tournament uh, over in Spain. Um, but yeah, another player just to 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 touch on and talking about kind of captaincy is the is Scott McElney. Um, who pitched in was usual 25 wickets for or air and some really um, important performances but yeah you're right you touched on it earlier um, they've got a re- they've got a real good setup a real good team I remember going to see force uh, play them in the Scottish Cup last last summer in at Heriot's and uh, Goldmaker and spoke with Michael that day and yeah he was confident that the team would remain, the unit would remain, they would add to it throughout the winter and they'd come back stronger. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and yeah, hats off to them. It always looks good down at New Cambastoon. Um, played a couple of games down there and it's a good setup, good changes, good pavilion, good deck. They're doing it all the right things. And, and to be fair as well, Michael runs kind of his academy down there as well uh, which looks well okay. attended and I think I might be talking out of turn is it Jake Woodhouse I think his name is Pete one of the youngsters anyways has been playing with Scotland I think um, as well so yeah good to see youngsters involved and hopefully good things are coming at air Brilliant it's yeah. great clubs that, that, that are not in the hubs of Glasgow and Edinburgh succeeding and doing really well and you're absolutely right new canvas doing great spot to play cricket i've got nothing but nightmares about that ground however i do know it is a lovely lovely spot to play cricket having played there 
I remember getting Matthew Horn getting battering me, absolutely battering me uh, in about 2006 there. Um, yeah, but uh, and and then and then other games more recently. But uh, but yeah, what a spot and uh, mm. credit to them. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, just a bit further down the road, um, Dumfries and uh, Greenock finished second bottom and bottom, and they will drop out of the league yeah, again. Though it's looked quite clear, Stirling were down there in the mire, but kind of put some results together towards the. Uh, <coughs> middle of the season and kind of pulled away and left those two behind so my mate Alan I'm, I'm really will be uh, playing down in the WBC one now unfortunately gutting gutting for Dumfries I'm absolutely but I'm very impressed with Sterling because they lost half their sight at RHC <coughs> this season um, particularly Brandon McMullen huge loss obviously and we've waxed lyrical about him but they've also lost um, is it Dunford and yep. Sahara, um, Sahara, Sahara. Sahara, mm-hmm. Sahara, yeah. So I mean that, that that's huge loss system, and and a mm-hmm. massive credit. Obviously, I'm sure we'll come on to it. But I was there on um, on Sunday. Wonderful club, great setup. Tweedy, who's been kicking around there for years and years. I remember when he was there; he was about 15, and now he's probably about 30 odd. Uh, probably maybe 35. <laughs> and 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 uh, you know he's gone and got runs again. He always he always ends up in the top 20 run scorers in the league. Um, and credit to Sterling, again, a club in an isolated location, managing to deliver and stay up in that top flight. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what, Pete, actually? It was making me think, you know, <clears throat> Sterling must often make a decision in their head. I wonder if we should join the East League, because sometimes I think the commutes might be shorter played on the East side they, than the they West. They kind of sit in the middle. Be. They used yeah. to be in the East League. They yeah. they moved in about they moved in I would say about 2012 because I played against Sterling Seconds when I first came to Marchman. They even had a really good second team then. Um, so they they used to play in the East setup. So did Stenhouse Muir used to play in the East setup. I remember playing uh, Stenhouse Muir in a Masterson game, for example, in about 2010. Um, so yeah, they they I think they made the move across when the when the league split so that they mm. could get the right balance and they could mm. be more competitive. So. Mm. It's, it's a lot of commuting for them, a lot of travelling for them. And I know that I think Tweedy certainly used to live in Edinburgh. So, you know, I think some of their players do live in Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> it's a lovely ground to play at and it's only about 40 minutes away. But uh, yeah. but then all those that away game, a lot of travel in it. Yeah. It brought me on to the um, the teams that are coming in. So GHK and uh, Drumpelli have been promoted. But I don't know if you looked at that league, but it was about... 2% between 4th and 1st so it was right down to the wire stuff <clears throat> there's only 11 always, games played as well which was a bit disappointing yeah always a very competitive league that one and I think that's that's what I mean I think there's 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 about 20 clubs in the, in the West that can really I'm not saying they can beat each other but the kind of uh, the spread as it were from top to bottom is very, is a lot tighter than it is in the East so Trampelli, a club I've played at actually bizarrely a number of times, I always admire them. They've, they've traditionally been a bigger club in Scottish cricket, but I always think they're well run. They've always got a lot of support there. I know that the GHK and Trampelli have tipped, um, you know, tipped the likes of Renfrew and Kelburn. Kelburn, another really well-supported club there in Paisley. Um, yeah, I, I love how tight that league is, actually. And, and geez, to go up Trampelli by... N- 0.3, 0.26 of a percent. They'll remember that for a long time to come. And people and the Renfrew guys, 
they won't sleep for probably a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I did see a friend of the show, Graham McLaren, with a, enjoyed a drink or two celebrating the promotion at Trumpelia uh, um, on Saturday night. So hopefully his head wasn't too bad on Sunday. Um, Pete, obviously there's two up and two down in that league. Um, might be difficult to do the same in the East, but an idea going forward or...? Yeah, absolutely, Liam. Um, I think it's a, I, th- I think it's hard to do in the East, but what it would do is it would force clubs, it would force the league into try. You know that je- when you create the jeopardy, it actually forces you to invest more in your club a little bit more, not rely on overseas players and the likes. Um, I think the thing about the West is there's far more clubs with organisation beyond, say, a first and second team. They've all got youth setups and things like that as well. And a number of these clubs probably don't have that. And that's perhaps where the problem lies. But I, I, I'm, I'm in favour of it, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, Pete. I, th- I think if there was a way to do it, um, let's just say, because I was thinking more logistics. So I thought, let's say two teams from the Eastern, you know, Esker came down, but then there wasn't a team from Strathmore Union that was going into their league, but one came up. So there would have to be some kind of rejigging to allow for that because it'd be going to, to, to separate entities or feeder leagues, if you will. But I think I think two up, two down is the way to go. Um, and I think it, like you say, it encourages a bit more competition. And it, what I think another thing it, which it might do, could be wrong, is it stops, it stops it being a closed shop almost because I think teams that are coming into that league now literally... Uh, Literally, like Meagle, the best they can hope for is ninth, almost. Do you know what I mean? Like, just just yeah, to stay in the league, just to stay in got, the league. Is it? Is it's it, is got a feel of the. It's got. A, I, this is a wonderful comparison. I'm about to do. It's got a feel of the English Premier League football about it, mm. where some gets mm. promoted, and they and they just got to sort of try and stay up for a few years to try and then get to the mid table to then try. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, but I, in all honesty, if 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 I if I had a perfect view and and could do do it, you could do, take a blank sheet to it. I would have a ten team prep national Premier League, a ten team national Premier League. Start with five in the east, five in the west, um, into a Premier League, two down, into a east and west sort of championship, with two down from all those divisions. I would take out all the second elevens and put them in separate divisions. Um, I know that becomes very hard to do actually when you've got the uh, a national league, but I, I, I think well, I think in all honesty, only what I would like to see is only first elevens in that sort of top tier, the top ten, and in the second tiers of an east and a, and a west. Um, but I, I'd like to see two down across across the board in, in that area. I think we've got to do something about the fact that we're diluting the top echelon of our game. Um, particularly if we don't have regional cricket, albeit I hope we will have regional cricket from next year. Um yeah, fingers crossed. So so that that would be that would be my solution. But I I think what we've got to also avoid is is players just moving to they've got to move to the big club. They've got to move to the big club. That sort of stuff doesn't happen as much in, in England because because you can get access to honours at a county level even if you're in a third division because the depth of cricket is that much stronger you don't it doesn't fall off a cliff um as you go further down and we need to create that depth and i think that that would start with a 
with a National League of 10, not a National League of 30 like we probably had, we had up to about 2012. Yeah, no, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. I, 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 would, I would go a little bit step further. I go eight. I go an eight-team Premier League okay. and try and have what we spoke about before, like a gap in the middle to either have international cricket on, if there is any, or some type of condensed T20 tournament that would run Saturday, Sunday for, I don't know, six, like a three-week period and, and and play with it like that. But yeah, you do run the risk of that eight, that eight teams taking the best players from the kind of area and becoming more like a select rather than a club. Which, which I know happens, for example, Northeast Premier League, where I played a little bit down in Newcastle. That's okay. just what happened. They just, they just, it just allowed them to pick up the best players from the from the smaller teams and, and put them into one select team almost. I not not very good podcasting for me, but I'm getting very animated with thumbs up about that idea, Liam. And the reason being is because I like the idea of eight. What I would love to see, I, I, if you go in eight. It's still got to be two down so that you you avoid that sort of like people moving between clubs as much. You know, there's almost got to be that, well, I'll stay with my club in the championship so I can get up to the Premier League. What I love is the gap, is the window you're creating for a for, for four weekends of a year where you can do regional cricket on a Saturday and really, really publicise it and make it into a big deal. Um, I think that that's a really nice idea. Maybe go eight and three down. Go eight in the league and three down, or something bonkers like that, to try and make sure that people don't start moving between clubs uh, too much. Because I think there's something quite powerful about playing for your your club, maybe the club that have put you or the club that have brought you through. Um, I feel that that's got some real value in it personally, but that's maybe me with my sort of uh, pathetically uh, dated county cricket roots. But there you go, <laughs> mate. We could be podding all night with our restructure, but. I think yeah. I think there I think there's, there might be a thirst from it from certainly the players to, to try and play um, against the kind of the best clubs week in week out in terms of across Scotland as opposed to um, just regionalised. But like because I suppose they would have regionalised originally for like travel distances and stuff. But you know, all due respect, you're not going to have an Aberdeen or a Dice in there anytime soon, which takes away that kind of outlayer of folks saying, oh, I don't want to go from Presswick all the way up to Aberdeen for a game. But that, that would maybe take that out of it currently and it would be more central orientated. But that's for another day, Pete. Let's yeah, talk about... That's a winter. We'll, we'll chalk that up as another winter project, a winter deep dive. Yes, I'm, all about deep, I'm all about the deep dives, the kind of, you know, we could have some nice little music and call it kind of like, you know, Sweeney investigates or something like this, and then we talk about restructures, or we, or, or you know, Mac investigates northeast cricket. You know, like you know, and like it, we could have a logo for it and everything. I'm sorry, I'm getting very excited, but I think it, I think it, it keeps us entertained over the November, December, January months. Watch this space for yes. it not to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll, we'll talk now. We've kind of covered the leagues. People talk about uh, the cups. And uh, I was actually at, I actually went to this game, which was down at Titwood. Um, myself, Mr. Parker, and then my brother jumped on a train and went down the road. So it was Forfarshire versus Uddingston. And number one, it was a dry day, which I was happy about. So we actually managed to get a, a game of cricket in. 
Um, and in the end, Force ran out quite comfortable winners after a pretty shaky first uh, first half. Um, Pete, 156 all out after 32 overs. Wouldn't have imagined that was a commanding total by any means. Not at all. I want to go back a step, though. Do you yeah, and Parker just go to these Forfarshire Cup games so that the you know hundreds of real Forfarshire fans can just go and, and just like you stroll around there like sort of two former players so you just get pats on the back and people buy you drinks like some kind of like you're turning up like sort of shankly at Liverpool or something like that I don't bloody know you know um is, is this kind of just to stroke your egos or, or some kind of thing no no or is it because you're real you're real supporters that's what we're trying that's to get it. yeah real supporters and to be fair I'd say we'd have played with all of them bar I think maybe Lyle Lyle's one of the new lads and maybe Bryce Alchin but other than that everyone I would have played I'm only, I'm only with them teasing all. you for the record I'm only teasing you but how many free drinks did you get offered by the way over the to be fair I got a couple I got a couple I got a couple yeah. but uh, oh, mate, I'll tell you what you... I'll tell you what Pete some turnout yeah. from Fox yeah. we must have had close to 200 down there I reckon it was a very good very good turnout um, I'm sure the bar. I'm sure the bar at Titwood did pretty well, and the barbecue actually. Thanks to the lads who did the barbecue, it was fantastic actually. Um, soaked up some of the uh, some of the morning's beers, but um, yeah, understandable. On at Titwood on a green one, it was doing a bit early doors, and Uddinston, to be fair, opening bowlers in particular, uh, Azha looked really handy. Um, he ended up going for two for forty one off his ten, but. He looked a real handy bowler, actually. It's the first time I'd seen him bowl. Yeah. Yeah, it was handy. No, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm I'm, I'm diver- uh, diverting to your better judgment, having only sort of watched snippets of this game. Um, I think it's worth saying the snippets I did watch were wonderfully choreographed by, I think, the, the Cricket Scotland News QTV had commentary from George O'Neill and Ronan Alexander. Uh, multiple cameras, um, and, and I think that's a huge tip of the hat to, to, to Cricket Scotland um, to sort of cover that in such a way. Particularly, you know, it was great that there was a big attendance in person. That was very apparent on the on the on the cameras as well. Um, so, so yeah. I, but I have to I have to divert to your, your better judgment because I was actually playing cricket that day, so I really didn't see too much of it. I do know that Leesky did get a crucial 48 at the end of the day because 156 in 32 overs. You just think if you're Addington, you just like just just bat 50 overs, you're going to get this total. But it's very hard to bat 50 overs, clearly. Ah, yeah, it's it's. Do you know what, Peter? It's so funny. So like going around the side, you you've got you know at the time. Well, let me see if it shows you. It doesn't. You know, Forster maybe 100 for four after 18 overs or something, and it, all these old guys going, "This is." This is terrible, you know. They just need to bat time here and 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 you know accumulate runs steadily. And before long, <clears throat> they're 156 all out. But if you spoke to any of the Forfarshire guys, that's just the way they play. That's just the way they play. They play their shots. They've got an attacking style of play. Sometimes they score 350. Sometimes they're 150 all out. But what you will get from them is 100% in the field and. They took advantage of that. They got uh, they got some early wickets, and they never really looked like <clears throat> letting Odinston get close. 
Um, and Bailwall in particular was red hot, as predicted. He bowled his left arm overs and just swung it nicely and caused them all sorts of problems. Nothing, um, nothing more beautiful than watching AB bowl with that 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 spark, that late in swing, tail up, and just watching him whiz in, like you know. That was it. Uh, just a blast from the past in some respects. I hate to say that because he's, he's only just over, you know, he's only, he's not that old, but, uh, but no, it was, it's, it's great to see AB bowl well. And uh, I was thrilled for him. What a summer he's had. So, uh, cre- you know, credit to him. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. For that. And, and I, I, I didn't, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a single wicket of Lyle Robinson, of Robertson. And I know we'll come on to talking about, about the, uh, the T20 final in a bit, but, Geez, he really impressed me on Sunday. How, how did he bowl in in that in that cup final, Liam? Yeah, very good, very good. He's um, he's a bowler who I'd say varies his length and pace quite well, and that's what he did um, in this particular game. And from judging by your reaction, there did did much the same uh, at Stirling. But yeah, really likable lad, uh, settled in very well at Forfarshire and. Takes four for five in a Scottish Cup final, so not a bad day out for for the big fifer. But uh, yeah, I had, I had a quick quick beer with him actually, and yeah, Lyle could uh, could be anything uh, if he sticks it sticks with it and gets gets a break. Um, obviously, was he, he had was a, he picking your was he picking your brain? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> was he picking your brain about sort of different different lengths, how to bowl? And then, nah. and then when he makes it, when he cracks that Scotland team, you're <laughs> going to say on this podcast, you're going to be like, well, yeah. I mean, I did tell him that in the bar at Titwood that day. And, you know, <laughs> it's great to see he's taken that on. And then maybe in, a, in an interview at a future World Cup, he might just go, do you know what? I'll put it all down to those wise, wise words from this. This old man called Liam Sweeney told me an awful lot that day. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, mate. Definitely not. But uh, it's a cracking day. And we uh, jumped on the players' bus on the way home and um, put the radio on and we all sat and uh, had a couple of lemonades, so it was fine. But no, brilliant to see Forrest do the double. Uh, there's not many teams that have done the double in the Scottish Cup. I was having a wee look at the trophy. Grange have done it. Um, and now Forfarshire have done it as well. I dare say somebody else has back in the day, but um, fantastic to see, to see them... Uh, Win it like that. I did speak to Ross Lyons actually at the bar very briefly, um, who bowled very well and tried to dig in with a bat, but just ran out of partners. Um, he did, but uh, I think he had a runners-up Scottish Cup medal from back in the day. But he wanted a winners, and unfortunately, just wasn't to be. Yeah, he's uh, you know Ross Lyons has been around Scottish cricket for the best part of twenty years plus. Um, Shame he couldn't uh, get those boys over the line. Um, I know, obviously, he played a bit at Carlton as well over in the East a long, long time ago. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember being at Erdingston a few years back when we played them in the Cup as well. F- a fabulous player and, you know, great to see. I, I just like seeing anybody over the age of 35 still playing club cricket, quite <laughs> frankly. So, uh, so fair, fair, fair dues to Ross. Um Maybe was he passing on some wisdom, perhaps to you, Liam, for how you can maybe uh, squeeze in some some better overs next season or something like that? <laughs> nah, nah, it was it was uh, strictly business, strictly alcohol. Uh, okay, but nah, it was uh, it was good. It was good to get a, a quick word uh, uh, with Ross at the bar. But um, shall we 
shall we talk about another Scottish Cup final? One that you have a little bit more knowledge about, Pierre, as you made your commentary debut. How yeah, was that, mate? Yeah. I, well, yeah, no, it, it kind of came out of the blue. I was <laughs> just sort of walking home from work on Tuesday and I got this phone call saying, do you, do you fancy doing some commentary from uh, at the game on Sunday? I didn't even realise this game on Sunday, in truth. Um, but no, Charles Patterson gave us a call. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Kind of a, as a co-commentator, what they would call in the NFL the colour commentator, the guy that's sort of meant to be the expert analyst, uh, uh, as it were. Um, so, so yeah, got that call up, which was, which was, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. It was, uh, I, I, Liam, you're getting very excited about it all. I, I, it was, I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty excited. And I think a credit to our podcast that I was asked and and to represent the boys. I didn't really get to name drop halfway at middle too much, but I, I, all I can say is what a wonderful experience it was. I was alongside Jake Perry, uh, a real pro of these kind of, of, of cricket Scotland media. Um, he had, takes a nice sedate approach. It was kind of fun. Felt like a bit of sort of county cricket, but with a T20 game going on. And one person I want to give a huge shout out to, and I know we've mentioned his name in the past, is Ian Potts, who I, I, I got to really meet for the first time uh, properly on Sunday. Uh, what a lovely guy and what a wonderful job he does with um, with all the cameras and things like that and just flicking between things. It is, there, there's, there was limited camera footage, but what it what, what he did do was, was really good and a really nice setup. All the microphones, all the rest of that. And the hospitality at Sterling was fantastic. Um, and Forfisher had a massive crowd out again uh, on Sunday for that cup final, which I know was a kind of uh, uh, a replay of, uh, or was it not a replay per se, but they just ran out of time a few weeks ago to get that that final um, finished. Sterling, a cracking replacement for Pollock, um, obviously not unable and no longer able to host cricket. And what a real tragedy it is that Pollock have no longer able to do that. And it I think the biggest, the only thing that disappointed me about that was it was probably about a 70 metre boundary all around the ground on, on, on Sunday for a T20 final. It just kind of, the pitch I thought was fine. It was good. It took a lot of spin, um, but the boundary was just a little bit too long to see those sort of fireworks that you kind of want to see maybe in a T20 final. But in all honesty, what a beautiful uh, day, beautiful setting. And Sterling did a wonderful job hosting um I just just the way that way things work with the boundary rope I'm sure people have seen the scorecard but um but Carlton fundamentally didn't have the same amount of energy or running between the wickets and general attitude that Forfisher displayed um you know Forfisher bowled first Carlton should have got up to 140 140 would have been a very defendable total but they only got to 128 uh 129 sorry and um nobody really nobody really got going for Carlton when it came to runs De Costa um got 20 odd Simpson was run out early for example um I'm just trying to have a have a quick quick, quick uh reminder Southwell got 31 but he didn't really play those well-known shots he's good really straight and that was mainly because Forfisher restricted, were very smart with their bowling. They set really clever fields. They'd obviously done their research. So Cameron, credit to, to, to Scampi there, really knew what he was doing with certain field positions. Bowlers had plans. They were bowling straight to certain batsmen, a bit wider to other batsmen. Hogarth, I mentioned him already. What wonderful energy that he he had with his leg spin, taking that first, uh, first wicket. Um, and then 
I know you mentioned him with the Scottish Cup final. I thought Robertson bowled superbly well. He changed his run-up. He changed his pace. He bowled slower balls that were so slow at points that it was just it was ridiculous um, and really stifled uh, Carlton being able to use pace on the ball to hit the bound, hit, hit long boundaries. Um, and then, you know, Forfarshire were pretty busy. Craig Wallace, huge fan of him, his on, on the podcast in general, so I won't kiss his ass too much. But he did bat like he was on a different pitch because the way the ball sounded off his bat was just totally different to everybody else. Um, and Carlton missed a trick because they didn't bowl spin at both ends until a bit later on. And that meant that they didn't start breaking Forfarshire until it was a bit too late. Um, that's being said, Umer, in maybe his last game, I felt so desperately sad for him because he was totally heartbroken at the end of it. What a wonderful, wonderful bit of bowling uh, from Ume. Um, you know, three for 17, of which uh, the last eight runs, I think, came off the last five balls. Again, one of them being a misfield as well. I thought he he really turned the ball wonderfully well. And when he worked out that uh, get himself on at the Wallace Monument end, get Arun on at the other end, that was when inroads were made. Angus Beatty bowled well apart from three deliveries as well. It was really sort of spin-dominated game. Um, but ultimately, it was that opening partnership from Wallace and O'Neill that just took it away from Carlton and they couldn't really recover. And then it was great to see Hogarth at the end when Evans, had, you know, had to take three wickets with three runs and he just whacked it away through point for four. Great day. Four for sure, big crowd. I've been talking for far too long. How many times have I said absolutely? I said absolutely so often on that commentary. It was so embarrassing. Me, um, me, but me, yeah. me. Mate, this is, that's why you get these gigs, man. You've just had like a three-minute monologue describing that uh, final perfectly. Um, a few things I'll touch on, mate. Obviously, I've got here, Ronan was unavailable, George was unavailable, Preston Momsen was unavailable. So kind of running out of people. So Charles Patterson, whatever, what, what time did he, was it Saturday? Saturday night, about half 11 p.m.? Thought I could try Pete, see if he could do it. So... If he, you got if there, he's phoned me at Saturday night, Saturday night half eleven. I was halfway at Broughton Street and I had Edinburgh half cut. I'm not, I was pretty hungover actually on Sunday. And <laughs> if I do get the opportunity to commentate again, rest assured I will be trying to have a little bit more enthusiasm and a little bit more energy to things. That's my pitch for my next commentary gig. Love it, mate. And one thing as well, which I will touch on that you did mention, was um, Ian Potts. Um, another one of these guys, and we've mentioned it before, about how cricket in Scotland relies heavily on volunteers and good people at cricket clubs, of which Forfarshire are blessed with plenty. But this guy in particular is right up there for me. Um, what a nice guy he is and puts so much time into cricket in general, now cricket in general, because he does a lot of stuff for Cricket Scotland, uh, the women's game. He does a bit of match refereeing and he's got to take credit for a lot of the good stuff that goes on at Forfarshire, particularly around about social media and streaming and photography and lots of good things that Potts has done. So um, I'm sure if Potts will listen to this pod, Pete, because in the past he has warned me there's been too much swearing in the pods and he doesn't listen to them too often. But if he, if he does, hopefully he's smiling away at himself and... He enjoyed his uh, chipper at the Bridge of Allen, um, which is where he, uh, where we often stop off. Uh, oh, the chipper in Bridge of Allen. Is it still good? It was oh, good mate. back in 2006. It used to be 
used to be a favourite of mine. So though that's good to know that it's still going strong. Yeah, mate. So Potsy stopped off and celebrated the uh, fish supper. Just a small one, but uh, yeah, absolute legend um, uh, in the game. And actually, I'll touch on another legend of the game from Forfarshire Pierre on Sunday. I was yeah. playing in a game, um, Forfarshire Select. Uh, including the one and only Alex Steele, 83 years young, playing with his oxygen tank on his back, keeps for 40 overs, umpires and bats at the end. Guy is unbelievable, an unbelievable person. Um, he actually took a stumping off the first ball of the game, standing up to uh, forfeiture uh, seamer Graeme Quinn. Um, it was unbelievable, uh-huh. unbelievable. But yeah. Brilliant to play in that game, actually. Um, uh, it was a great but, day all round. And, 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 and if Alex Steele batted, that must mean you batted because, uh, you know, unless you let him bat above you. Mate, I felt terrible. I had to leave early. I had to go, had to go home. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't even get to bat. And I think Force ended up losing by like 10 or 11 runs and that was eight down because the 11th batsman was missing which was me well next time you turn up for one of these one of these shameless appearances at cup finals <laughs> nobody should buy you a pint at all for that sort of abandoning like behavior disgusting so bad isn't it mate i felt terrible but uh talking more about forfeiture obviously that's done the double double and they'll be off to spain um back to spain to play the european stuff in march so I bet there'll be a fair few people booking holidays off work for then and they'll travel out there in their numbers again and hopefully they don't end up playing the mighty Drew from France who uh, ended up winning it and putting force out. But Yeah. yeah. Can I just touch on one, one quick thing, um, yeah, on, um, Liam, before? Course, um, in terms of Carlton, obviously just not their day and, and a real shame for Umer and, and, and Ali... I think there were some, there were still some standout performances, but it is worth noting one thing: the day before, Carlton's under 15s won the national under 15 competition at Lords. What a wonderful achievement that is for Scottish cricket! That is as big an achievement for Scottish cricket as Frookie winning an 86, uh, in my opinion. What I, I touched upon this in the commentary, albeit there's probably only about five people listening, but this is a huge thing for Scottish cricket because often we don't realise how successful our clubs are relative to clubs in England. And that under-15 success is a demonstration of, the bar- uh, of the, where the barometer is, I suppose, for Scottish clubs against English clubs. And it looks pretty good. Of course, Carlton, we know, have got a wonderful youth setup. Um, have always had a wonderful youth setup, And there's huge credit to the likes of, of, of Gilly there. Um, I know Pete Deacon is involved in things like that. There's uh, Devil Nell, I know, is involved. There's stacks of volunteers uh, at Carlton and credit to them. Um, and, and that's a wonderful, wonderful victory for a fine club in Carlton. I'm saying it through slightly gritted teeth because people know I've got it. But no, honestly, they're, they're, they're a lovely bunch. And um, and that that's absolutely huge. And those kids will remember it for the rest of their lives. But now the pressure's on for Carlton. Can these, in six years' time, I'm expecting them to wipe the floor if they can bring these young lads through. Um, because... Uh, because when it comes to domestic honours, because they've got a real bunch there of cricketers who could go and uh, who could go on and achieve things, not just for their club, but for the future of Scottish cricket. No yep. pressure, of course, no pressure, of course, but uh, but a huge shout out to Carlton. That's brilliant. Uh, it was fantastic, mate. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I did see the photo of them uh, 
at Lords, lifting the trophy aloft, like it's it's fantastic. And the other thing as well is, you know, that they, they're under 15s. Do you know what I mean? So they're not they're not far away from you know, you know, they're they're getting through their school and they're getting towards that bad age of 16, 17, 18, where you find girls and other things to do at the weekend. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, like you hopefully say, they can keep them together. Yeah, like we did, Liam, they'll stick to cricket rather than get distracted by booze and girls and things like that. And and uh, one final thing just on that, they won these games in England relatively convincingly. But I've seen Carlton 15s play Watson's 15s and Grange 15s, and they're all pretty competitive. They're not. There's not much between them. So it just goes to show it's not just one club there that have got strong under 15s. It's a number of Edinburgh clubs. Carlton would definitely the standout. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling that for a second. Um, but let's uh, keep these guys on the straight and narrow. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. And 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 they can stick to stick to cricket. One example I'll give you, Pete, is uh, obviously he's not on the show today. But Matty Parker, he uh, his granddad, who is sort of now the late Chris Plummer, he uh, took he was a a keen interest in junior coaching in our growth and he took Timmer Greens which was the primary school that Matthew was at all the way to the national final I think it was at Trent Bridge I think definitely a big English cricket venue <clears throat> where they won it they won it back in oh geez, I don't even be able to guess the year in the, in the 90s in the 90s yeah. I would have thought ish and uh, of that team there was people like obviously Matthew Parker Mark Petrie, Calvin Burnett, Fraser Burnett, players that went on to do pretty well um, in, in in Scottish cricket and international as well for them. So, yeah. Was 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 there my favourite cricketing nickname of all time playing in this? Aaron Ali, whose nickname was Chemical Ali, which I thought was the best nickname. He was at Aberdeen Uni. I thought that was the best, the best nickname I've ever seen. So, yeah, that was, a, that was Arun, uh, or Aaron. Uh, a lead from our broth. I yeah. think I, I, I'm not. Do you know what Hoggy? He was a know. fabulous cricketer. Oh, superb, mate! Superb. He's a little bit older than Hoggy, so I don't know if he would have been in, in that same team. But yeah, there we there we have it. Anyway, so yeah, yeah Scottish teams doing well in uh, England. It's brilliant to see. Anyway, Pete, that'll do us for tonight. And, um I'll see you hopefully for a pod soon. Absolutely, mate. See you soon. Cheers, bud. Ta-da. 